we are finishing up a little, we're doing just a little two-part series called Enjoy. Everybody say, Enjoy. No, you can do better than that. Say, Enjoy. And last week we talked about enjoying Jesus, which is where we got to get back to, where our joy is being stole by the enemy. And this week we're going to talk about enjoying people. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, first service got real quiet. I was, trying, I was just telling the story but, and the word, but they got real quiet. So I don't know about you, but um, I, I, uh, I had this friend of mine. Uh, his name was Keith, and Keith and I love to play basketball. And um, uh, Keith uh, was raised uh, a little different from me. He never cut his fingernails. And I can remember playing basketball with him one particular time. And the whole time, I, I was like, why am I bleeding all over the place? Why am I bleeding? And uh, when we finished the game, I started looking at him, and I'm cut all over the place. I said, Keith, let me see your hands. And he's got these claws. He's like Wolverine, you know. And I'm like, Keith, bro, you got to cut your fingernails, man. You're killing me. I have two purposes with today's message. Number one, that each and every one of us would leave this place and cut our claws. And that number two, that we would begin to enjoy people again. You know, I think, I think that's a choice that we get to make. And so we've got a key scripture here today that I want you to kind of look at with me and kind of mark this as the passage of scripture that kind of surrounds this message. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 9. It says, perfume and incense, we'll read in NIV, uh, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. It says, and the pleasantness of one's friends springs from his earnest counsel. Look how the Message Bible says it. It's not a great translation as far as theology, but it's a fun translation as far as understanding things. It says, just as lotions and fragrance give sensual delight, I might not have used that word, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. So just as, and what, what this passage is literally saying, and so I summarize it, it says, you know, just like when you spray perfume on it, and your husband goes, hey, baby. <laughs> You know, or you got those old nasty, you know, come on, some of you got all ashy and you start putting lotion on you. And then it looks good, it looks, smells good, and feels good. That's what he's saying. So is a friend who's in our life and bringing joy to our life. I don't know about you, but as I have interacted with a lot of different people, I find that not too many people, as they get married, have friends anymore. Uh, they'll have friends for a little bit, but then they don't have lots of friends. They get, you know, end up with two or three, and, and then they have kids, and they have no friends because they have no brains left to have friends. And then they try to bring their kids with other people's kids, and their kids are full of demons and messing with your kids. And so, you know, it's just like, it's, it's just end up friendless if you're not careful. And if you don't realize that, um, uh, what's happening, you'll start not you start losing your joy that you should have when it comes to other people. I don't want to lose my joy when it comes to my relationship with the Lord. And I don't want to lose my joy when it comes to people. And people seem to be the, quick, uh, the first ones to steal my joy. Somebody asked me the other day, how do you like ministry? I said, I love it. I just don't like people. I'm just kidding. And, uh, but, you know, ministry is all about people. And, and being in church is about people. You know, George Barna and his research group did a, some research years ago. Uh, just been four or five, six years ago now. And uh, 82% of Americans claim to be Christian. But, but 78% of them don't go to church. And 78% of them said, I don't go to church because I don't like the people. Well, that's why our whole vision statement is to relentlessly love Jesus, his church, and the hurting. Because Christianity is about people. They came to Jesus and they asked him, they said, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus said, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And number two... Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. 
And so Jesus summarized all of the law and all the prophets and all into these love passages. And I think as we go through life, we should enjoy Jesus. It shouldn't, I mean, some of you look like you've been sucking on lemons every time you go to church. It's like, my Lord, it ain't that bad. God is good. And then some of us, when we interact with people, we're just the meanest. Life is so horrible. And you just, you're always complaining. And you, and you always, this ain't fair. It ain't right. You don't like the people you work with. You don't like, you don't like your kids. You don't like your spouse. You don't like nobody. And you're always talking bad about it. You say, oh, I don't really mean that. Well, yeah, but life and death is in the power of the tongue. So today's goal is that we leave here going, you know what? I need to enjoy people again. Lord, help me. You know what? I need to cut some claws. I've been cutting folks just as I'm interacting. Keith never intended to cut me, but because he had claws out, because he had his little nails so sharp that he didn't realize as we interacted, he was slicing and dicing me. Some of you don't realize you're slicing and dicing people. You're like, I don't have any friends. That's because they're all bleeding. They just, they just need some time away from you because you cut everybody. <laughs> and they're like, ah, I'm going to go over here. All right, so look at this passage. Let's jump into this. I love what Paul says, again, reading from the message. Lord, help us. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, dear friends, look what he calls them. My dear friends, I love you so much. I do not, excuse me, I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. Now, Paul, if you study his life out, you'll see early on in his ministry, he's type A. He's ta- I mean, he is typical type A. You are in the way of me doing great things for God. That's really how Paul, how Paul kind of starts off. He's ticked off at John Mark because John Mark wavered during a time of persecution in one of their missionary journeys. He don't want to deal with him again. Causes him and Barnabas to split ways. It's magnificent how type A he is. And when we get 40 years later, when he's dealing with the Philippians, who he's birthed this church, as he's dealing with them, he has softened. He goes, look, I love you. Oh, my dear friends, I love you so much. Hey, stay the course. Stay the course. Man, stand strong. If you'd have met him 40 years earlier, he'd have been like, look, you lazy, good for nothing. You better get your junk in line and get... <laughs> but something about growing a little older, you start realizing we need to cut those nails because, uh, because I'm feeling a little lonely. My grandmother died, and 100 people went to her funeral, and 90 of them were my friends. Because my grandmother died, just a bitter little old lady. God saved her there towards the end of her life, but she still had no friends. She didn't enjoy people. She went and as a hermit. She would just hold up, and she didn't enjoy Jesus or, or, or friends, and she didn't really have any. And the other ten that showed up were her family who had to come to her funeral. Friend, I don't want that for you. I want when you die, we're celebrating that you cross from this life into the next. And there's so many people who say, if it wasn't for them, man, I tell you what, they meant. every time I was with them, they were always speaking life over me. Every time I was around them, they covered my weaknesses. I was an idiot. My, my mom kept encouraging me. My, my, I tell you, every time that I did that same stupid thing, he looked at me and said, you're the best wife I've ever had. I want you to know that's who we want to be as we close out this life. Somebody say amen. So let me give you a couple obstacles. I found that some of us are having obstacles in, in enjoying people. And let me give you some of the, a couple simple obstacles to enjoying people. Number one, the first obstacle that I see throughout Scripture is when we only see their limitations. It's hard to enjoy someone when you only see their limitations. I mean, it's because you're constantly, oh, that's all I see. And it's glaring. And you say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm married to him. 
That's all I see is his limitation. Listen, if you can learn to celebrate his strengths instead of criticizing his limitations, I promise you, you can enjoy it in the marriage once again. Look at uh, this passage in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And I'll kind of give you the storyline. We won't study the whole thing, but I'll just tell you the storyline. King David. How many of you know who King David was in the Bible? Anybody ever heard of him? King David, the Bible says, is the man after God's own heart. He's a guy out of all of Scripture, uh, you know, just one or two of them that the Bible mentioned that God was really close to. Now, David's a little boy. He's a young man with probably junior high, pre-teen, you know, preteen range, somewhere in that range, uh, 14, 15 range. And uh, God speaks to Samuel the prophet and says, Saul the king who I anointed has rejected my command. He's gone against what I've asked him to do, so I'm picking me a new king, doggone it. And I want you to go to Jesse's house because one of his boys is going to be the new king. So Samuel the prophet sneaks away and he goes to Jesse's house. Now, Samuel knocking on Jesse's door would be like Bishop Jake's knocking on your door. You'd be like, uh, uh, have I sinned? Did I do? Or Billy Graham, whoever your person who you just think is, wow, powerful, hears from God. And Samuel knocks on the door and Jesse's like, uh, uh, did I do something? And, uh, and he's like, no, 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 listen, God sent me because one of your boys is going to be the next king. So can you imagine that? Uh, okay, hold on just a second. Oh my God, baby, you're not going to believe out of door, we in the morning, yeah, baby, it's on, man, uh, yeah, we'll be right there, we'll just give us a second, yeah, come here, boys, and he lines up his seven sons, can you imagine as he brings that first, he brings the first one, it's probably the oldest, he's the most responsible, he actually has a job, and goes to that job, and takes his money, and pays for his own cell phone, just hint, hint, young person, and so you know he brings him out and says, this is the one. I'm telling you, saying, that's it. I don't even have to look. Y'all just said, this is it. This is my boy. It's number one right there. He's a good one. And Samuel lays his hands and says, no, it's not him. Sam says, oh. I mean, Jesse goes, oh, okay. Uh, well, here, number two, he's creative. Yeah, that's probably what God needs, someone real creative. And he's not as, you know, as mature and responsible as friend, but he's real creative. And, uh, and, and he, he designs stuff. Maybe it's him. Samuel lays hands on it. It's not him. Oh, snap. All right. Well, number three. I mean, it might be him, but he's kind of stupid. You know, I don't know, but he's a big dude, so let's bring him up. And so it goes through all seven of them. And, uh, and Samuel's standing there, Jesse's standing there. <laughs> Can you imagine being one of the seven? <laughs> and he says, uh, dude, do you have any more sons? He goes, well, I mean, there is David, but that can't, <laughs> it ain't David. I mean, David's kind of like. I mean, he plays harps out in the fields, bro. I mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's that kid, man. I mean, you know, we gotta have, everyone's got to have a special one, and that's David. And, uh, yeah, he didn't play football. He did, I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but surely it's not him. We said, well, bring him. Maybe he's the one. Uh, okay. Um, hey, come to the house right now. And so David walks up, and the Bible calls him, says that he's got a ruddy complexion. He's Opie. <laughs> so he, he says, well, okay, well, Lord, I guess you see what no one else sees. And lays his hand on him, and God says, this is the one. Remember that old Christian song, you K-O-T-Y guys? When others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king.
And so can you imagine the brothers like, dude, that's my little snotty-nosed little brother. It ain't him. And he's anointed king. Why, why did Jesse not pick him? It never crossed Jesse's mind to even bring that dude in from the field. Why? Because all Jesse saw was his limitations. You know, it's hard to enjoy a child when all you see is their limitations. It's hard to enjoy a spouse when all you see is their limitations. It's hard to enjoy going to work with your coworkers when you're like, dude, they're all idiots. I carry the load. I'm the only one making sales. They're all idiots. You need to work at Kmart or somewhere because you should not be in this industry. It's hard to enjoy them when all you see is their limitations. Come on, I'm speaking truth to you. David is seen as limited. But God says, no, 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 inside of that is a king. Inside of that is the hope for Israel. Inside of that being overlooked, some of you, every one of you in here right now, you're feeling like, yeah, God, inside of me is something great. Yeah, I'm like that. There's something great. And, and it ain't right. Everybody else has seen my limitations. Yeah, but we do that with others. So it's hard to enjoy that. I noticed at times I've done that with my kids. I'm such a coach. And I'm so quick. I want to make them better. I want to make them better. That I, I'm always looking at what they didn't do instead of what they did do. And instead of celebrating, dude, you rocked it. Hey, yeah, you did that. But did you do this? Well, no, I forgot that one part, golly. And, and, and it's even for me to learn, you know, let's, let's celebrate what God's done in them instead of always looking at their limitations. It's hard to enjoy a relationship, a friendship, a co-worker, the people in church, your small group leader, when you're always looking at their limitations. You don't want anybody looking at your limitations and judging you or branding you or, or you know, saying this is who you are based on your limitations. I mean, listen, you want to talk, somehow I got in my head in high school, I was going to play professional basketball. I don't know where that, I think it was, it was the Michael Jordan era, and I just wanted spud, you know, I wanted to dunk. I mean, it was just, it was just all these things, you know, inside of me. I thought, I can do it. Ah, yes. And thank God, someone didn't say, you loser. I would have never played basketball if they'd have said, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I ended up not, never dunking, but... In heaven, I will. Okay, so let's move on. The second piece, the second thing that I've learned that are obstacles to enjoying people, and that is looking to them to supply what only Jesus can. You're going to kill that relationship. You can't enjoy it if you think they're supposed to supply what only Jesus can. Sweetheart, he's just a dude, okay? I know he's the head of the house, and I know you live in intercession for eight hours a day, but he's just trying not to murder somebody going to work. Just, just give him a little bit. Listen, he, he's not Jesus for you. Jesus is the Lord of my life and has to be the Lord of your life. And so you're going to not enjoy being in a relationship with me if I'm supposed to be, if you put in your mind that Pastor Adam is the guy who has all the spiritual understanding for me. Friend, listen to me. Jesus is your Lord, not me. Not your spouse. Not your small group leader. Listen, if you and I want to really enjoy relationships, one of the things we've got to do is stop looking to them to do what only God can do in our life. They can't fix that. They can't make that happen. And I have found myself when I've had, you know, spiritual leaders in my life mad at them. In fact, I had one of our, one of our, uh, one of our leaders come to me and say, you know, I was mad at you for a year. I was like, why? They said, well, you didn't do anything, but you're the pastor, and things weren't going wrong right in our life. So I just thought, well, it's got to be his fault. I was just mad at you. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> But the bottom line is, if, if you're going to put such pressure on relationships when you expect them to do what only God can do. Only God can heal you, not a doctor. Somebody say amen. amen. 
they're doing their best with what they have, but they're humans too. Only God can give you the wisdom that you're looking for in the situation that you're going through. Listen to me. You need to get past all of that and just say, Lord, I surrender to you so you can enjoy the people who are in your life that God's placed there, whether they be authority, whether they be people under you, whether they be people on the same level as you, whatever it may be. You can enjoy that when you stop giving them the God syndrome and trying to make them fix all your problems. Come on, somebody say amen. That's good. It's good. Number three. Obstacles to enjoying people, critiquing their actions and decision-making. Boy, it's hard to enjoy people when you're always critiquing them. Give you a seven for that one. See if you can get a ten. When we're constantly critiquing one another and criticizing, the word critique is where we get the word criticize. Look at the passage of Scripture here in James chapter 5 says, in verse 9, it says, Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble against each other. Don't sit around critiquing each other about every decision they make. Listen, I'm going to promise you right now, I'm not going to make all the awesome, amazing, right decisions at the pastor's church. I'm going to blow it, and it's probably going to affect you. It probably will. But you know what? You're making decisions and blowing it that are affecting me. And know what love does? It covers over a multitude of sins. That's the beauty of enjoying one another. I said, you know, I got you. I got you, Jamie. Jamie was laughing at me. She, um, there's this new TV show called The Island with uh, Bear Grylls. He's done this new reality show. Anybody seen that? It's, it's on Sunday nights. Come on, you just woke up from your nap. You probably saw it. Okay. And so anyway, at least that's what's happened with me. And so uh, uh, Bear Grylls, and what he's done is he's put 16 dudes on an island. One's a stay-at-home dad. You know, another one's a photographer, blah, blah, blah. He's got these dudes, and uh, they don't have this. Uh, one's a police officer, and they don't have these survival skills, you know, like Bear Grylls does. So he put them on an island, gave them some water and a knife. And these 16 dudes got to somehow come up with shelter, fire, food, water out in the middle of an ocean. And so uh, it's been amazing. And Jamie's like, why do you like that but you hate Survivor? I said, because the premise of Survivor, how many of you watch Survivor? You bad people. No, I'm just kidding. The premise of Survivor is, I'm going to be in relationship with all of you so I can take you down. I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to tell half-truths. I'm going to make packs. I'm going to break those packs because the goal is at the end for me to be the only one standing. The difference in what Bear Grylls is doing is the goal is all of us to make it to the end together. See, that's what I think is real Christianity. It's not that that I'm going to outdo you and get there first. It's not that I'm going to expose your weaknesses and thereby get you cut off, get you kicked out of the tribe. It's that we're a tribe no matter what. Listen, you may or may not like the person sitting next to you. They, end up, they own the team. Sorry. Might as well get over it and learn to enjoy it. You may not like that person over there. Well, let me tell you something. They're on the team. You better learn to enjoy them. Because God has placed them in this body. And you and I have to learn to have joy in the midst of it, even in their limitations and their weaknesses, and stop critiquing each other. I love this whole you know, armchair quarterback situation. It's so funny to listen to some of you sports guys, especially during football season. Man, you see Tony Roma? That dude's an idiot. Man, Des Bryant was open six times, and he never got him the ball. That's so funny. I would like just for once for you to be the person getting the ball hiked to you as 300-pound, 6'6", angry, vicious warriors are running at you trying to kill you and they go, ah, and you go, ah, I just, listen once, just once, uh, and see if you can throw the ball 40 yards downfield as these guys are trying to murder you, so oh, I could do it, just once, I'd like you just get hit one good time, just pow, and you're laying on the ground, oh my God, Tony Romo's the greatest ever, 
That's why the Bible talks about us walking a mile in someone else's shoes. See, it's easy to critique when you're not in it. But when you're in it, you say, listen, 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 you don't want to say that. Listen, they're doing their best. I'm in it with them. I'm trying my best. We're trying to make this work. I mean, just, instead of sitting there critiquing it, once you get in and help pick, pick up some of the weight a little bit, okay? Man, this is, y'all ain't doing a good job picking all this weight up. Shut up and pick it up. That's what one pastor told me one time. And, and, and that literally is what happens when we become so critical we don't realize it. And we don't even know we're doing it. We're doing it to our spouse. We're doing it to our coworkers. All because, you know, we think there's a better way. And there may be a better way, but you don't have a right to communicate that until you're a part of the process, Right? And so what I found is that love says, you know what, they may not do, be doing it exactly right, and it may be kind of causing a little bit of difficulty for me, but I'm on the team, and team's going to win. That's the difference in Survivor and the island. That's the difference in understanding I'm on a team. Those of you that have never been on a team, you don't know what it is to lose together and win together. I've grown up my whole life being on teams, and I've been the guy who threw the ball out of bounds with three seconds left and lost the game. I've also been the guy who made the last second shot from three-point range and won the game. We've won together and we've lost together. I've been the guy with the, with the best, most weaknesses on the starting five on the basketball team. And I've been the, and I've been the guy that, had the best, that was the best. And uh, the other weaknesses had to be covered from them. And, made, and we made it work. That's what Christianity really looks like. And to enjoy people, you and I have to come off the critique piece. We have to come aside and say, you know what? I just cover them. I love them. They're awesome. They're doing the best they can. If you start doing that with your spouse, I promise you, I promise you he'll go to church with you. If you'll start, if you'll start doing that at home, I promise you kids will look with respect in their eyes at you and say, my daddy's the greatest in the world. If you'll stop critiquing her and the way she cooked the food and it ain't like mama said, ooh, don't ever say that, dummy. Don't ever say that. She will go get mama then. I'm gone. <laughs> you know? And if you and I can just stop critiquing the coworkers and being so aggravated that they got weaknesses, listen, if we can do that, I promise you, you will have joy in the midst of all of it. Some of, this, some, of the, some of the frustration you have in the midst of your storms is caused by you not having joy and critiquing and criticizing, causing the drama. And you don't realize it, you just still got your claws out. All right, moving on. I love you. God bless you. I love you. All right, let's go to the next one. Here's, here's the other obstacle that I found, and that is when we try to fix them. Trying to fix them. Trying to fix them <coughs> causes there to uh, not be joy in that relationship. Some of you thought, oh, when I marry him, I'll fix that. How's that working for you? That's what man caves are all about. You figure that out, right? Man caves are like, okay, oh, that's great. I'm going to go down in my man cave and do what I want anyway. And so that's what that's really all about is people start having, I'm tired of you trying to fix me. Just love me for who I am. Just embrace me for with my weaknesses and my strengths. And so I say to all you single people, you think that you're going to find the perfect person, which doesn't exist, and if they did, why would they marry you? <laughs> then, I'm just picking. <laughs> I'm being silly. And, and then not only that, but when you marry them, those imperfections, what do they do? Come on, married folks. They come forward. They're, they're bigger than you. like, oh, my God, I didn't know <laughs> your feet smelled that bad. <laughs> Wow, I will never cook that again. I had no idea that did that to you. Oh, my Lord. That will, whoa. Because what happens is now you're closer than ever because the two have become one and there's no getting away from it. You don't get to go to your apartment while he goes to his apartment. Y'all live together now. Hey, praise the Lord. And I found a long time ago that if I would just embrace Jamie with all of her little perfections, 
No, and Jamie has had to do that with me. She's, this is definitely on me. Jamie's just said, you know, I'm going to love him anyway. And Jamie's done such a great job trying not to fix me. And what happens is the Lord fixes me. Isn't that the job of the Lord? I can't fix you. If I just bring you his word and the word fixes you. I'm not the one. The pastor doesn't fix you. Your spouse doesn't fix you. The Lord fixes us. And that's why he says for those in authority, it's mine, mine to deal with those in authority. You just simply submit to them. Even, even if they're unrighteous rulers, if you'll submit to them, I'll bless you in the midst of that. That's that whole principle in Scripture. So trying to fix them will steal the joy. I found myself doing that with my own children. I'm just trying to make them better, trying to fix them before I know it. They're like, I don't even want to talk to Dad. All Dad wants to do is fix me. And, and, and it's a natural thing that happens with me because I'm a coach and I want to help people get better. And, and that's kind of my role, it seems like, in life. And, but, man, sometimes they just need the opportunity to just be them. Somebody say amen. amen. Just need the opportunity. So, so if you want joy with people, you want to enjoy people again, stop trying to fix them. Some of you don't even know you're doing it. It's just, it, it's, not, it's not wrong. You're not trying to be bad. It's just naturally because you so love them, but it's being perceived as you trying to fix them. And many times what happens is they resist you and reject you, and you don't, now you don't have joy in that relationship. Isn't that good? Somebody say yes. yes. Look what Matthew chapter 7 says, verse 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 7, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's where Jesus kind of preaches his first big message. They come by the hundreds and the thousands. They sit down on the hillside. And Jesus, basically what he does is he says, listen, I'm going to teach you a different way. Yes, I'm not going to throw out the law. I'm going to fulfill it. But what you've been seeing modeled in front of you is not accurate. He says the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law say that if you've, done, if you've, if you've uh, committed adultery, then this should happen. But I say if you've even lusted in your heart after a woman, you've already committed adultery. So let me teach you a better way. And Jesus, here in verse 1 of chapter 7, starts teaching us on how to interact with one another as believers. And he says it like this, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll clearly see to remove or assist in taking the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I've had a lot of people justify their sin using this passage. Well, brother, you don't tell me about my adulterous affair. You didn't tell the truth one time. And they use that. And doesn't the Bible say, judge not, yes, you be judged. Isn't that what it says, brother? Ain't that what it tells you? I've had them tell me that, trying to minister to them, reach out to them, and stuff like that. That's not at all the context of this passage, what Jesus is talking about. Within the body of believers, within those of us who are trying our best to serve God together, and we're connected, you know, because every body part connected, and that interaction, there's this, there's this bumping in, in, into each other and difference of opinions and this conflict that's constantly happening. He says, listen, don't stand in judgment of them. He says, listen, you're sitting there criticizing, judging, trying to fix their brokenness, but don't you realize you still got something left in you? Put your attention on what's in you, and then, and then I will bless that and anoint that, and something supernatural will happen to you. And then that person will look at you and go, wow, God can fix. If he can fix his speck, he can fix my log. And what the, it's much more of a motivation, not that we're not supposed to judge one another, because we are. The body of Christ is supposed to watch out for one another and say, hey, dude, I think you're getting a little close to that fire. What he's talking about, we're not supposed to critique and try to fix one another. That's the Lord's business. We're supposed to love and care for one another, and at the same time have our beautiful interactions of doing Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is this passage where Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, everybody say, brother. brother. 
If your brother sins against you, another believer sins against you, Matthew 18 says, go to them privately and interact with them about that. If the church that calls themselves Christians would do Matthew 18, we would have such an explosion of revival, it would be unbelievable. We'd have such an explosion of revival. Last week, for example... I had done something two years earlier. I had one of the members of our church, one of our leaders, I said, hey, listen, I want to start this thing. I want you to help me with it. And they said, yes, pastor, I'm with it. I'm with you. Two and a half years passed by. We really couldn't get it going. It kind of maneuvered and kind of, in my mind, died off. And so I found another leader recently. I said, hey, could you help me with something similar that I'd asked this person two and a half years ago? I said, yes. I said, also include these other people who are interested in it. I said, okay. So they came together. And the person who I talked to two and a half years ago went, wait a minute. He had asked me to do this two and a half years ago and hadn't followed through on it. And wait a minute, I'm offended. And they came to me and said, Pastor, they did Matthew 18. Pastor, you said this a couple years ago. And I went, you're right. Please forgive me. The person said, listen, I'm humiliated because I thought, no, 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 I didn't mean. I'm so sorry. I blew that. I repented. It's amazing how much joy can happen in a relationship when we repent. Practice with me. I repent. Say it like this, I'm sorry. Oh, look at the life in that. It's amazing. I told the first service, my, my middle child, Mariah, she's learned the power of this. It's like, Mariah, you didn't pick up your room. I'm sorry, Daddy. Okay. <laughs> she's smart girl. <laughs> she's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks for being sorry. People these days don't say that anymore. She's found the power of that thing. Now get back and clean your room. Okay, Dad. If you and I can just learn to say, you know, I blew that. We have a tendency to immediately begin to defend our actions where we probably did mess up a little bit. Because we're all human. And so if you want joy in relationships, stop trying to fix it. Realize that you're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. And when, one, when we make one, mistakes with one another, let's do Matthew 18 and sit down and say, listen, in all genu- genuineness of spirit and in all, in all love, I, I felt like this is what was happening, and then you did this. And, and, and so uh, is that okay? How can we fix this? Can we pray together about this? And the Bible says if they still don't listen to you, then, then you bring somebody else. Say, hey, listen, I'm really discouraged by this, and, and, and we've seen that keep this conflict. I've asked this person to help me a little bit. They're another believer. And then if they still don't, then you get the pastoral team involved and bring it in front of the whole situation of the leadership of the church and then ultimately has to be in fr- brought in front of the church to bring uh, uh, some kind of resolution to it. And so we don't even see that being played out in most churches in this hour because most people don't want to be relational. We want to be relational. We want to be the body of Christ. And so if you're going to enjoy people, stop trying to fix them, stop standing in judgment of them, and let them be who they are. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen. So I'm just trying to help you have joy. Let's, let's, i give you a couple. I, I'm going to skip a couple pieces for sake of time. What to do to begin to in, in, um, encourage joy in the relationships and the friendships that you have. Number one, find what makes them unique. Find what makes them unique. Aren't you glad that we don't look like each other exactly? That we're all the same mold? I'm so glad for all you tall people. We need you. Because I don't know what the air is like up there. I need you to tell me. It's about to rain. Hey, it's going to rain down there. Oh, great. Pray. Thank you. Thanks so much. We're going this way, because you can see. I, I appreciate all you skinny people. We, we love you skinny people so much. But I tell you what, I love some folks with some bump in their trunk, too. I mean, I just, thank God he made us different. I was like, thank God that you're, some of your ways are a little different than this person. None of you have the same outfit in your, have, have 25 of the exact same outfits in your closet. Can you imagine that? Come on, ladies. Every now and then, it's the red skirt day. Come on. 
And then there's the, the black dress day, because you want it to look a little skinnier, because black throws it all off. I know that. I'm married. <laughs> Why? You got all the, listen, you got, the, you got 16 different pair of black shoes, ladies. When Jamie, I was like, why? You buying more black shoes? Yeah, these are pumps. What? They're black. Yeah, but these have a different thing on them. What thing is different? This little piece right here. Oh, okay. Well, I have to wear that with this. Oh. Well, what are these shoes for? Oh, those shoes are for such and such, but I don't have that yet. I got to buy such and such to match the shoes. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm losing this, I think. <laughs> Why? You want All of those are different pieces. That's what heaven's like. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. So let's celebrate our uniqueness. Thank God that you're dingy. I appreciate because you don't get mad about nothing. You just, hallelujah, praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank God that some of the people in this church are always watching. We need you. You're in charge of security. <sighs> we need you. God's made us all, let's celebrate our uniqueness instead of criticizing that and saying, oh, it's not like me or it's not as good. Come on, somebody, say amen. That's good. And so if you want to enjoy relationships, what I've learned is find their uniqueness and start celebrating it. Man, I'm so glad that you're always smiling. You're so awesome. Man, I'm so glad that you're going to start smiling because you don't smile so much. If we can start celebrating our uniqueness, I promise you'll have joy in the relationship. Here's another piece. Are you still with me? Say yes. Number two, give people permission to be human. Just give them permission to be human. Jesus did. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get saved and be great and be pure and not have any perversion in your mind and be nice and and not be cursing nobody and not have any anger in your heart. He didn't wait for that and then say, okay, now, now this is my son. No, no, no. He died on a cross while we were yet sinners. He made a way for us to be righteous before we were ever righteous. Come on, somebody. He allowed for our humanity. And he still allows for our humanity to exist. Isn't that right? Am I the only one? He still gives grace to my humanity and doesn't reject me as a son. and doesn't wait for my perfection to, to come to pass. But he constantly loves me as who I am, but never allowing me to stay that way. Because his love melts away all that hardness of my heart and all that judgmentalness that's inside of me and all that junk that came from my past and all the fleshly stuff that still is there. He just loves me in the midst of it and that love just begins to melt away all that trash. See, friend, that love and allowing me to journey that for a little bit, I tell you, you can enjoy the relationship a lot more if you stop trying to fix their humanity. I'm telling you, just say, oh, brother, we love you. You know, somebody got mad at me the other day. I told him, no, you love me. No, I'm mad. You, like, you, love, you know you love me. Come on, you love me. And they started laughing, see. I didn't go, how dare you? I'm the pastor. Let me tell you something. I didn't do all that. I just let them have their human moment. Come on. I have them. You have them. So let's give them a little bit of room to have some humanity and stop trying to fix everything and stand in judgment of their humanity. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen. Do you understand there's still people in this room who are still working through forgiveness? So for you to say, sister, I don't know why you just forgive. Hallelujah. I did. Well, that was awesome for you. But they need a little bit more time to work through that. Brother, you're still having lustful thoughts in your mind? You're the devil. Give him a little bit of time to, to work through that in the things of the Lord. And when you and I are that kind of people, when we're that kind of body of Christ, people can then be enjoyed again, and you can have joy in the relationships. Some of you are so frustrated 
because you just won't give them a little bit of room to have their humanity. Okay, still moving. You still love me. I'm still smiling. You're still smiling. Number three, dream with them. You want to enjoy relationships? Dream with them again. Go to your boss. Boss, what do you dream about? I dream about you not working here anymore. Oh, yeah, no, I don't want to dream that one. <laughs> dream about something else. What do you dream about? Boss, what do you want to see happen in this, in this department? What do you? Man, I'm going to dream that with you, boss. I'm going to dream that with you. Spouse, what do you dream about for our family? What could it look like? Start carrying that dream. The people who know and love me, one of the things they say about me all the time is, Pastor Adam carries my dream in their heart. There are people in this room that won't be here two years from now. They'll have their own church. I carry that dream in my heart for them. There are people in this room that are going to be some of the greatest preachers, and I'm going to be standing, sitting in, in in the service as thousands and tens of thousands are yelling, Hallelujah, as they've just brought the fire and the glory of God, and my name's not even going to be mentioned, but they will have been under my tutelage over the, during this season, and my dream is their dream, and I carry it in my heart. See, it's easy to enjoy people when you carry their dream. You know, that's what Jesus did. He carries the dream of humanity to be returned to his Father. That's what he did. He came to earth to fulfill God the Father's dream. He died on a cross, no matter how hard it was, because it was a dream of the Father that there be a way for humanity to be restored to him. Jesus carried that dream, and it drove him to the cross when the rest of us would have been like, uh-huh, I'm done. I'd have fried them all, started over. The moment they started beating me with that thing, I'm like, nah, Daddy, let's do this another way. Let's get some aliens or something on this planet. I don't know. Well, we're going to start over. But Jesus carried it all the way to the cross, through the cross, and to resurrection. Why? Because of the daddy's dream. When you carry people's dreams in your heart, it, it causes you to love them in a way that's, that's different. And it causes you to enjoy that relationship a little bit more. Have you lost the dream of your spouse? What do they dream about? What do your kids dream about? Are you trying to force your dream on them? Stop and ask them, what do you dream about, buddy? You say, well, they're two. They, they dream about, you know, Cheetos. Well, you know... When they're a little older, what do you dream about? I want to be a part of that dream with you. How do we get to that? If they don't know, then let's pray. Let's ask God to give us that dream. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen. amen. That's good right there. I don't care who you are right there. That's good stuff. All right, number four. And I've learned this, and that is, this is how we can enjoy a relationship a little bit better. And that is, show them a better way. Show them a better way. In other words, if they're slicing and dicing you, instead of being so hard on them, Show them a better way. Hey, look, come here, come here, I want to show you something. Look, at this is called fingernail clippers. Watch this. Clip, clip. See? Because mine were a little long. Did you get scratches from me? Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. Now, let's see yours. Oh, my God, look at that. <laughs> Set those out there. Instead of saying, look at you, look at you. Hey, come see me. Look what I'm learning to do. Oh, wow, you might could learn that too. Show them a better way. Show them a better way. You know what? You don't, you don't have to crit- criticize and judge them. Just show them a better way. Mom, you're the best pastor that child will ever have. I'm telling you, Grandma, Grandpa, they watching you. They don't care what I say. They think I get paid to say this. They're watching you to see if you really live your Christianity. Wow. I'm telling you, you're the best preacher your family has. They're watching you. Show them a better way. You don't have to cuss. You don't have to cuss out your ex over the phone every time he don't show up on time with the kids. You say, "Oh, bless the Lord, Hallelujah!" Now, come on, let's have a little talk. Yo, excuse us, kids. Now, listen, you had a commitment. You need to follow through on your commitment. That's the problem. You need commitment issues. That's the whole problem. I'm gonna show you a better way. I'm gonna be on time next week, and I'm gonna be early for you so you can get them a little bit longer. I love you. God bless you. 
show them a better way. Yeah. They, don't need, they don't need to see it the way the world does it. Let's show them the way of Christ. And so you, so you say, because pastor, you just don't understand. They won't listen. They won't change. I know I'm not supposed to fix them, but what do I do? I'm so frustrated. Show them a better way. I told the first story, the first service, a story uh, that happened to me. Uh, I've told it a couple times in this church, but it's my story, so I get to tell it again. I was running late um, to catch a flight in Chicago. I was traveling a good bit, and, and, uh, and so I, I jump out of the car, and I start running up, and man, they've got one set of security uh, gates, and uh, it's, it's 200 people easy. It's a 45-minute, and I'm like, I've got an hour I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to make this flight. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving at a clip. And I look off to the side of me and there's this other lady. She's a few steps behind me and she's trying to get in line before me. And I'm moving fast. <laughs> and she's moving fast. And then all of a sudden, dude, I, I got there first, but she kind of scooted in front of me. So I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That would have been okay until she called her other eight friends to come skip me too. And I'm like, oh, uh-uh, no, you did not. And I'm mad, dude. I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me like, what you going to do? And so I'm just, <laughs> and I heard the Spirit of the Lord. How about you show a better way? Imagine that. How about you act like me? And so I'm like, okay. So I'm praying in tongues under my breast. There's, there's eight of them now in front of me. They have held me back by two minutes. And I heard him say, I just can't believe we're going through this all over again. I know, this is crazy. I can't believe that we missed our flight yesterday, and now we might miss our flight now. I said, excuse me, ladies, what time's your flight? They said, 30 minutes from now. I said, you're not going to make that flight. They said, well, it's the airline's fault. They missed, they, they, the connection didn't make it last, uh, yesterday. They put us in a hotel tonight, uh, last night, and then here we are. We're late again, and we're going to miss this. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, no, this is not right. I'm going to do something. They said, no, it's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. I'm going to do something. <laughs> now I saw this little guy walking. He's got the little lanyard, you know, with the keys. You know, he's walking, you know. I'm like, hey, sir, come here. We have a problem. He's like, oh, my goodness, somebody's dying. So he goes running over. I said, sir, these nine beautiful ladies are about to miss their flight. Sir, it's not their fault. The airline has messed up twice on them. They're like, actually, we missed, we didn't wake up in time to make the bling over. I said, shah, 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 shah. I said, they have to get through there, sir. There's no way they're going to make their flight. It leaves in 30 minutes, and you know this is a 45-minute line, sir. You have to do something. Well, I don't really know. I said, sir, I am a frequent flyer. I'm here all the, I know. And if nobody else in this place may have the authority and the power, but you do, don't you? I said, you can take that lanyard right there and you can get them in front of everybody, can't you? He goes, I can't. I did the Jedi mind trick on him. It was awesome. <laughs> I said, you got to get them up there. He goes, all right, come with me, ladies. And look, as they go to walk off, the one who ran up there and did the whole roll of the neck looking at me thing, she looked at me, tears coming down her cheek. She said, thank you. And she goes, and she stops and turns around and says, I'm sorry for acting the way I acted earlier. We had never even talked about how she had acted. And I just said, it's okay. Don't believe him, man. So I got one out of a billion right. Come on, pass that. All right. Come on, the last and final piece on uh, enjoying people again. What I've learned to do is pray in the spirit for them. 
I do. I do that. Listen, I'll tell you right now. If you know you made me mad and you see me standing over in the corner looking at you going, I'm praying in the Spirit for you and for me. And I've learned, seriously, that when I pray in the Holy Spirit, He gives me grace where I had no grace. He gives me joy where I had no joy. Because the fruits of the Spirit, they're His fruits. They're supposed to be living and abiding and being produced in me. And so when I begin to pray in the Spirit, those fruits start manifesting themselves. Like we talked about last week, those big boulders start getting thrown out. And, as I, and I've done this with a number of people. There have been ministers and leaders in my life who've done me dirty. Dirty. Wrong. And I can remember I would pass by their building at first, you know, and pray, oh God. I'd pray that whole, you know, that whole Old Testament. Oh God, I pray hemorrhoids on them in Jesus' name. I would. I did that. I, re- I repented, but I did that one time. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the Lord rebuked me and corrected me and said, this is not who I am. Wow. I told you, even pray for those who despitefully use you. Wow. That's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 stuff, buddy. And you're supposed to be a pastor. And so I couldn't start with blessings, so I had to start just praying in tongues. So I just start praying in tongues over every time I went past their facility, every time I went past uh, their office or whatever it may be, those who had done me dirty. And, and, and you got to understand, I'm an only child, and I'm a shorter guy. So my philosophy growing up was hit you, hit you hard, hit you big time, knock you out, hurt you really bad. Because you're bigger than me. So if you got up and I didn't put fear in you, you would hurt me. So i got to hit you and hurt you first, the hardest, if you did me dirty. And so that's having to be in broke over me over the years. And the Lord's had to just say, hey, take, be, be taken advantage of. Be taken advantage of. That's what I did. And so I've had to learn that principle. And so as I just began to pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, what I found was I started loving them. I started, enjoy, I started asking blessings over them. If our work continued with them, uh, if, if our interaction continued, then that blessing of that relationship started happening. And all of a sudden we started laughing and, and being friends again. It was amazing how that happens when you and I say, you know what, I am going to enjoy this relationship. I'm going I'm, to, I, I, I can't go get another job. I'm stuck with you knotheads. I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to pray in the spirit every morning, every day until you and I start liking each other, until God brings joy into this situation. That's what I've learned to do. That's what I would encourage you to do. I want to not only enjoy Jesus, but enjoy people. Stand with me all across the room. You guys have been magnificent today.